0: And will we ever see you in that duck outfit again?
1: A company with a name like Mother Duck, uh, we either had to sort of pretend like we we you know we weren't really a duck based company, or do the opposite and just sort of embrace the duck. And so that's part of our like kind of core core company values is is embrace the duck.
0: Welcome back to the Drill to Detail podcast, and I'm your host, Mark Whitman So I'm joined today all the way from Seattle by a returning guest and friend of the show, Jordan Tigali Jordan, welcome back, and great to have you on the show again. Uh, thanks,
1: Mark. Great, great to be here again. This is one of my uh, favorite podcasts, so I'm really <laughs> excited to get to get a chance
0: to chat Excellent, excellent. So, Jordan, um, so you were on the show before and you, uh, you came on in your, I suppose in your BigQuery and Google kind of, um, I suppose kind of role, but just tell us a bit about yourself really, sort of how you got into the industry and how you got to the point now where you are at where you are.
1: Sure. Uh, so yeah, I, um, started at Google in like 2008 or 2009. And, uh, it was kind of the beginning of, you know, Google Cloud didn't, didn't quite exist yet, but we had a number of tools internally that, we thought were pretty interesting and wanted to share with the world. Um, And, uh, and so, yeah, we ended up building, you know, this, this thing called, called BigQuery, this, you know, database as a database as a service, uh, data analytics as a service. And, you know, I stuck with it for, uh, you know, tenaciously for, for, for a decade. Uh, And I think we built some pretty cool, some pretty cool things there. Uh, And I turned from, I, I had been sort of like a compiler person or um kernel you know operating system person so I ended up as a database person um, and uh, you know databases are pretty fun so that was a good I think a good a good move and uh, you know st- uh, went to single store uh, for for a couple of years and kind of saw saw things outside of Google it out like you know not every company works like Google um, and that was sort of something. Important to learn and then struck out on my own about a year ago, uh, to, to help start, um,
0: a company called, called Mother Duck. Exactly. So, Mother Duck, I mean, really interesting, really topical company, and um, a great story as well, um, for you to go to go through with you now. Um, so, we we had a great episode actually when you talked about BigQuery, and um, it was certainly uh, you know a journey you went on there, uh, building out, I suppose, the 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 ultimate in large scale data warehousing and cloud data warehouses. But but you went to SingleStore, and and without joining too long on it, what, what were you doing at SingleStore? What was what was the kind of the role and, and the product you were working on there? Sure. So I was
1: the chief product officer, and so I had you know I spent a lot of my career is as, as an engineer, uh, and an engineering manager, and then switched to uh, to product management. And um, you know, I think my brain still works like an engineer, so I'd love to talk about engineering problems and design design things. But also, kind of after being a product manager, you kind of realize that there's a lot more to the world and how things actually work than just sort of building great technology. And so, single star gave me the op- opportunity to kind of do both. So I was a chief product officer. You know, in charge of the engineering and product side of things, and uh, and so that was really interesting because they had great, you know, amazing technology at SingleStore, um, and uh, I thought it could use a little bit of product focus. They were kind of in the process of moving to cloud, and I thought, hey, I know, I know cloud uh, and cloud analytics. Uh, so I had a, I had a great time, you know, helping them sort of reboot their cloud uh, their uh, cloud system. You know, they have you know been able to build something that most people say is impossible, which is a, an analytics and a transactional database that actually work really well together uh, in one, in one package. And, uh, and so that was, that was fun. That was a great, great place to, to be for, uh, for a couple of years. Um, but then I kind of decided that, you know, I kind of want to, I want to build one thing, something that I, something that I, you know, be, believe in, I mean, not that I didn't believe in single store, but I should like, I can, I, you know, something that I can create and and focus on innovation rather than just taking something else and 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 making it bigger. Um,
0: I'm sort of more interested in the early earlier stages. Okay, so give us give us the give us a give us a high level overview then of what Mother Duck is. Then um, we'll get and we'll get into a lot more details as we go on about about the I suppose the specifics about it. But what is Mother Duck and um and what's your role there?
1: Sure. So it's a, it's an analytical database uh, in the cloud. So it's like a serverless. Uh, Serverless uh, analytics database, but it's based on DuckDB, um, an open source, uh, open source project, uh, created from some a couple of folks in, uh, in Amsterdam, uh, that's, you know, sort of taking, taking the world by storm. And, um, you know, we're really focused on, you know, making it just a really simple, really fast, low latency, easy to use, easy to use database, uh, for, for analytics in the cloud, uh, and really targeting use cases that are, Um, you know, for, you know, cases where there's a human present, so you need, you need low latency, um, people building applications and, um, and then just people that, that, that like, like DuckDB, because, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of people do it using DuckDB. They did, I think 2 million downloads last month. And, um, you know, a lot of those people want something that's hosted
0: and it's running in the cloud. Okay. So it's been quite a journey you've been on, really, from, from BigQuery through, through sort of single store and, and now to sort of Mother Duck. So let's kind of, t- so I suppose to understand that journey and understand the context, let's, let's take a sort of step back then, really, to, I suppose the historical context, really, for what we're talking about. So the evolution and, and, and future of data warehouses. I know you spoke about this a bit in the past. So, so maybe let's go back to the days of, of, of maybe when I first, uh, I was thinking about this. So maybe sort of like 10 years ago or so, when, when data warehouse servers were on-premises, okay, and you had appliances and so on. So, so and that moved to the cloud, really. That moved to sort of things like BigQuery. So just talk about maybe that time, that period, and the impact that cloud had on that world of, of on-premises and appliances and so on. Sure. Uh, I think
1: there, you know, what, what people thought of as a data data warehouse and what they were using for analytics was really kind of confined by the the form factor and the hardware that um you know it was getting these were really hardware plus software packages um uh you know that was available in you know in the the sort of on-prem on-prem era and when you move to the cloud, the constraints are different and the, I think the best of the cloud uh the cloud data warehouses really uh, embraced what became you know was only possible in the cloud and I, I kind of would put. Uh, BigQuery and Snowflake in that in that category as, you know, what are the things you can only do in the cloud, really kind of leaning into separation of storage and compute and elastic computing and multi-tenancy and, um, you know, and, and we're able to kind of I think address kind of broader problems than just sort of pure data warehousing problems. And I think that's one of the reasons why everybody went from calling themselves cloud data warehouses to calling themselves like cloud data platforms. Cause it turns out that like, Hey, you know, once you kind of move to the cloud, you can address a broader, a broader section of, of needs rather than just, you know, what we had called, called cloud, cloud data warehousing, or sorry, what we
0: would call data warehousing. Okay, so, so, I mean, a lot of these, and certainly when we spoke about BigQuery back on the, the previous episode, there was a, a lot of the roots of services like BigQuery were in, I suppose, the Hadoop and Spark and distributed computing sort of world. And there were, I suppose, there were benefits from that and there were trade offs and there were costs and so on. So, as workloads like that moved into the cloud, what was what were they being what was they being optimised for, and what were you gaining and what were you losing really from that moving to the cloud in terms of performance and um, the way those things worked and the kind of the especially use case they're aimed at?
1: So, I think one of the things you just you gained was you know this sort of decoupling from having to know know about uh, or care about what the hardware environment was like. You know, you basically outsourced. The hardware to somebody else, um, but also the running of that hardware, the running of the software, and and even the architecture, and uh, and that you know that really enabled um, you know much much larger um, you know much larger scale, much faster much faster performance. The kinds of things that like you know would have been incredibly difficult to set up in your own in your own environment. You know the the public clouds had had a lot of this hardware hardware sitting around, and, and you know multi tenancy could mean that you know they could actually profitably run um, a uh, a system that you know you know th- they could handle scaling up and scaling down. And whereas if you're running things on on prem, you would uh, you know you'd have to basically provision for the the peak load of what you of what you needed. Um, of course the you, the thing you give up is sort of control uh, you know you don't know when upgrades are being done uh, it's a lot harder to understand what the uh, what the availability uh, characteristics are going to be the durability characteristics it's sort of easy to understand okay what the what's the you know RPO and RTO you know failover uh, you know situations of my uh, my box that sits in my in my data center, uh, you know, versus something that's, you know, spread over millions of disks in multiple data centers, and, um, and you know what kind of things what kind of things can go wrong. Um, there's also just because these distributed large scale distributed systems are so are so complex, uh, the you know, it's very hard to make them as consistent as uh, as a local as a local system. You know, local system is like, hey, this query is usually uh, five hundred milliseconds, um, uh, and it's almost always you know within you know a few milliseconds of that. But in the cloud, there's all sorts of tail latency and things that can things that can happen, and it might be mostly five hundred milliseconds, but sometimes it'll be five seconds. Um, so I think that's also one of the things that people uh, had a hard time wrapping their heads around. And I think you know you mentioned that you know things sort of come from the you know there was this Hadoop, Hadoop lineage and this large scale distributed distributed system, and I think you know we kind of rapidly changed the underlying architecture and had to then like bolt on some of the familiar pieces like transactionality that uh, that took a long time to sort of to sort of build back in, um, and I think now you can get a, and I think it's one of the reasons why sort of you know Hadoop died was because it really was this sort of um, this thing where you had to change how you're working with how you're thinking about your data problems versus um, being able to give you the old familiar thing um, just with a new architecture underneath. But it took a long time to sort of make it um, so that it you know, these you know, these these systems were good enough that they really felt like they really felt like they. Um, you know, your old, your, your, your Teradata instance, like Teradata is still an amazing and amazing data warehouse. And in many ways is well ahead of what you can do in, in Snowflake, BigQuery, Redshift. Um, But, you know, I think it just has some, you know, architectural limitations just by being, you know, kind of built on sort of a leg, you know, legacy system on-prem, even though they're, they are moving to, to, to cloud. Um, They weren't really sort of designed with cloud, uh, cloud in mind, and I think that makes that makes it a lot harder for them to take advantage of some of the
0: the things that you can only do in the cloud. Okay, so suppose another observation or, or sort of thought you have now, looking back at that time, is there was a lot of uh, there, was, there was a lot of kind of interest and in, and in, in thought around this concept of big data, and it's almost you know, things like you know, things like BigQuery and Snowflake and so on. They're all designed for, for big data workloads and. I must admit in the work I've been doing it's very rare to get a data set that is anything more than a few terabytes in size really and most most workloads we see are, are structured and they aren't they are not well maybe big data has been maybe big data is now all data because because it's been easy to hold handle but how much is big data a thing you think now and how much of it's been normalized and how much of it is probably overkill what do you think
1: yeah and I think there's um you know when the people started to sort of hyperventilate about about big data and sort of design these new these new systems, there are certainly people that have giant amounts of data, and um, and I think there was this assumption that okay, well if Google has big data and Facebook has big data and these other you know giant banks have big data, then everybody's going to have big data too. And there were also a handful of even small organizations that had giant amounts of data. Um, but that really turned out not to be the case. I mean, just the experiences that people have, it's like, you know, hey, like I have a, you know, a SaaS business and the SaaS business has a bunch of customers and, you know, they they're doing really well and they have a few gigabytes of data. Um, And so I think that, um, you know, we kind of have designed these systems to really be kind of overkill for, uh, for this, you know, the, the amounts of data that, that, you know, the vast majority of, that, of people, uh you know, out there. And I think when you, when you design, when your design point is, you know, so, you know, is orders of magnitude, you know, many orders of magnitude off of where your customer base is, you just, you focus on different things. I mean, so for example, you know, the majority of data warehouses, actually, I think all the data warehouses out there are really focused on throughput rather than, than latency. In other words, like, to process as much data in as short amount of time as possible, rather than getting the the answer as fast as possible. And it's a it's a somewhat of a subtle of a subtle difference. But one of the things that that tends to do is it tends to trade off, um, kind of the the latency that you know the startup time, the time to get the data out, um, so that it can run so that it can run faster. And I think that's sort of what you see in these these sort of large scale distributed systems. There's a lot of coordination overhead, you know, that you basically have, um, you know, if you have 16 servers in your kind of your Snowflake, uh, your Snowflake cluster, you know, they have to all talk to each other, shuffle data in between, you know, BigQuery, you know, in, you know, by default runs with 2000, 2000 workers. So your queries can be spread across 2000 workers. Like even if you do that really well, which I think BigQuery does, there's be a bunch of overhead, but they're, they're willing to, to trade off that overhead. Um, which is, you know, you feel in terms of latency and how long your query takes, uh, in exchange for being able to, to scale it out to very, very large, large sizes. And I think what's, what's the, you know, the, 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 where that's become sort of problematic is that when you have a human being waiting for the result, like they really care about, they really care about latency. And, and so that's why I think kind of some opportunities have been missed is because, um, You know, in this focus on, on making things as, you know, as big as possible, uh, you know, the, the kind of the end user is,
0: is left out, especially, especially just, just, especially as you've got laptops now. I mean, I've got a MacBook recently upgraded and you get like the chips on there, the ARM chips are so fast. So you've got all this kit sitting in front of you that is not being used. Um and I mean how does that imp- how does that affect the equation, do you think, yeah? The the, the ability to run such work- to run workloads on your laptop that are so fast that just not being used? Yeah, I think it's
1: I I think it it changes the potential uh dramatically. I mean it used to be that you know when we would say so oh, I am run this on your laptop, like it was almost as a joke, it's sort of like, oh, this un- underpowered, like, you know, uh underpowered thing that, you know, can't possibly, you know, crunch much 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 data. Um, but now, you know, I think you know George Fraser, the CEO of uh, of Fivetran, you know, just did did some benchmarking of, uh, you know, running you know a TPC, uh, running a basically an analytics benchmark on his laptop versus you know one of the popular cloud data warehouse, um, and his laptop was faster, and and yet it was a smallish smallish data size, but it wasn't tiny, and um and but it wasn't really wasn't really optimized, and it was. I think it's just one step towards what, what we're going to be able, we're going to be starting to see, see more of. And, uh, and I think it's also a big, a big opportunity. So like in the, and this is a a good example of where, uh, the, the tuning of, you know, for giant data sets, uh, actually has sort of hurt us because one of the mantras when we started BigQuery was, you know, okay, with large data, you want to move the compute to the data rather than the data to the compute. Which is, you know, we wanted people to load their data into into BigQuery into our cloud, and then um, and then operate on the you know compute while it's in the cloud, rather than having them download the data and operate on it operate on it locally. And um, you know, but that and that's something that's you know it's a truism with with large data sets. With smaller data sets, however, um, you want the you want the data to be as close to the user as possible because that's how you get that's how you get low latency. So if you know if something is you know using you know DuckDB locally on your laptop, you can do queries you know sub-millisecond, like and so yeah, I mean yeah, human beings can't tell the difference between anything really that's that's sub hundred milliseconds, but this means you can do a hundred queries in in the in the amount of time that you know it basically takes you to uh, to blink, and that's a fundamentally different interaction model that I think we've seen before. You can do sort of. Uh, video game style, up you know, sixty frames per second updates of your of your dashboards, and there's lots of things that I think we haven't we haven't even you know we're just starting to see the possibilities of of what you can
0: do with really low latency. Uh. Okay, so so let's let so so DuckDB. So you've been on this journey now, going from BigQuery to to uh, maybe the memory part of BigQuery, uh, in single store, and. Then you started Mother Duck, but Mother Duck is based around this this database technology called DuckDB. So maybe just for the for the listeners, what is DuckDB? Right? Um, why? How is it? How is it fundamentally different from the likes of MySQL and, and SQLite? And and then you know, and then in high level, what does Mother Duck add to DuckDB? So first of all, what is DuckDB? Sure, I think I mean one way of thinking
1: about DuckDB is it's SQLite for analytics. It's this embedded, really lightweight database with no with no dependencies. But tuned like so, um, in the you know database terms, uh, SQLite is a row store. DuckDB is a column store. So DuckDB is really uh, geared you know geared towards doing aggregations, understanding understanding data, rather than um, setting and updating individual rows of data, which is sort of more what what SQLite would be would be used for. Um, it's you know, it was designed, um, you know, uh Hannes Hannes um uh and and Mark from from CWI, they uh they talked to a bunch of data scientists and they're like, you know, data scientists like hated databases, and they said, Well, what why is that the case? And and a lot of it was around sort of the usability, um, these are the general like end-to-end user experience of a database, of installing it, you know, dependency management, you know, keeping it up, you know, like um and they said, Well, well, why don't we build something that is just easier? And while pretty much every database like focuses on you know the time from when you get the query to you, you get the you know, the query the query result is uh is ready, um it turns out from an end user experience that's only a small portion of of, of actually what's happening. You know, there's um you know, there's how does the how does the application actually send the data? How long does that how long does that take? And then when you when the query is done, how do you get the results out? How do you do you, do you stream those results out? Do they come through a you know a JDBC driver? All this stuff is like, like, I think Hannes, I think talked about it as like a burger is like everybody focuses on like the the, uh, the the actual the burger, the meat part. Um, but, you know, nobody's really looking at the bun. And the bun actually has a big impact on the overall, you know, overall, you know, experience uh, of the uh, of the end uh, end user uh, or the end eater of the of the of the the hamburger, and um, and so and I think that's one of the things that people love about DuckTB is it's like, hey, it just it just works. It's just easy and and um, uh, you know, and I think they helped kick off, you know, their ideas from DuckDB helped kick off like the ADBC project and Arrow. Um, and, you know, that's sort of the next, next, like, update of, the, of you know, ODBC, JDBC targeted for uh, targeted for analytics using Arrow. Um, but uh, anyway, so I think they built this really, really, really well-designed database um, and it's also, you know, the other kind of exciting thing about it is it's, it's so incredibly lightweight that it can run. It can run in your browser. Uh, you know, it's basically, you know, it needs you know tens of megabytes uh, of RAM, so you can run. Uh, it's easy to download, easy to, ins- you know, it has no dependencies, so you can just install it. Um, and it's being used in all kinds of interesting applications.
0: All right. So, so, but okay. So that's interesting. Um, and, but it, it, a, there's a danger Duck, DuckDB could be like a novelty or like a skateboarding dog or something something that's interesting but but you know running 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 your database on your laptop there's obviously limitations in that okay so what if you want what if you want to share what you're doing with other people what if you want to collaborate on something Um and is that really where Mother Duck comes in because you your Mother Duck is about providing DuckDB as a managed service okay so how does that Add value to the DuckDB experience, and how does that how does that kind of I suppose fundamentally change the developer workflow? Yeah, so I think you mean
1: that you've hit on kind of exactly what you know what we we think we can offer to the DuckDB user is is you know some better scalability, somebody else to manage manage it for you, collaboration. Uh, you know, be like DuckDB itself is sort of is not a data it's, it's certainly not a data warehouse. It's something that you can an engine you can use to understand and and analyze your data but it has no concept of users it has no concept of you know like of a, of a sort of a global catalog uh durability is something that you have to manage yourself like um you know uh the um even kind of the the semantics of being able to have multiple writers like you can have multiple writers in the same time you have readers so there's a bunch of things that the ducktb doesn't necessarily offer and then we, you know, by offering a cloud service, you know, we can give you, you know, scale into the cloud, uh, you know, we and we can do, you know, sort of serverless, you know, scale up, scale down as you need it. Um, uh, the other thing that we're doing, which I think is is uh, is pretty unique, is is hybrid execution. So, like, the mother duck client is always DuckDB. So, uh, when you know, on your if you're running, you know with motherduck and you're you know running from your laptop, you'll have a local DuckDB on your laptop. And so might that might be the DuckDB command line interface, but it might just be the web UI. Like the MotherDuck web UI has DuckDB running in Wasm in the web UI. And what our what our um our our hybrid execution can do is it can kind of seamlessly, you know, if you if you If you, if your query references data that lives locally, that lives on your machine, everything runs locally. So you can do, you know, sub millisecond queries. If, uh, if your query references data that lives in the cloud, you know, your query will run in the cloud. Uh, we can be, you know, make that very, make that very fast and, you know, return, return those, return those results. Uh, and if your query references data that lives partially locally and partially in the cloud, then, you know, we can actually, you know we're hooked into the optimizer of DuckDB, so we can we can basically do the optimal thing, whether we either move some data locally up to the cloud or we pull data from the cloud to your uh, to your local uh, local machine. And from the the programmer's perspective or the user's perspective, this is all just sort of just sort of just you know seamless. You don't have to really worry about where the data is. And so nice things that we can do about that is we can you know basically result cache that sits locally on your. Uh, on your local machine, you know, very often when people are doing analytics, they do sort of tweaks of the same types of queries. Um, well, if your queries are similar enough, we may ne- we may never have to actually hit the hit the server again. Um, if you're building an application and you want to show you know a stock portfolio to your end users, they you know basically they can pull that all down locally, and you can slice and dice that and kind of operate on that you know locally in in your in your browser and have the updates be you know, you know sub-millisecond, you know, so you can do, you know, 100 frames per second. But let's say you want to then say, okay, what happens if I had bought, you know, Amazon or Apple back in, you know, 2004, that will have to reference data that lives in the cloud. And so then that will be just a slightly lower, you know, slightly higher latency, but we'll still be able to pull those results down. So you'll be able to sort of um, operate on it, you know, in a very, very fast, uh, fast way. So I think that hybrid execution is, is one of the keys um, that's going to be, it's going to have a lot of different, you know, different cool things you can do. Like, so instead of like having to, you know, if you're, if you're using Snowflake or BigQuery and you run a query, you know, you have to pay for that query because that's using cloud, cloud hardware. But if you can pull data down locally, then you're, you know, basically that, that, that's going to be free. So you can dramatically reduce your, reduce your costs if you're able to move those down locally. And yes, you can manage that yourself. You can, you know, Download, you know, export to Parquet, download that data, um, and then operate on it locally. But the nice thing about Mother Duck is it just sort of
0: lets you do that, you know, really, really seamlessly. Okay. So, so if I was in charge of data, say a big organization, I'd be kind of having kittens now thinking, thinking about my data going onto laptops and, and, and not being centrally controlled and so on. So what does Mother Duck do to, I suppose, provide Security and governance and control over how data moves around and who can access it and so on in, in that hybrid environment.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, there's you know two answers to that, and there's the the glib answer is what the uh, the first answer is you know, we are not worrying about that so much in the short term. We think that there's a lot of sort of non big enterprise use cases for for Mother Duck, and and um, you know we will deal with those later. The uh, the less glib answer is, and I think the other thing is, I guess the less glib answer is that, um, you know, w- by using a service like Mother Duck, you can actually have visibility into and control how people are how people are are doing this. Because I think without Mother Duck, if people have DuckDB, they're going to be downloading this data and they're they're going to be doing doing this themselves. But but you as the IT administrator are not going to to know what what they're doing or how they're doing it. And there's a bunch of like things that we are, that we are, you know, planning in our roadmap to, um, you know, for example, uh, you know, set, set TTLs when people, when people, you know, so basically expiring, expiring data that gets downloaded, making sure that data is encrypted when it gets, you know, when it, when it comes locally, or maybe it only stays in memory, or, you know, maybe the key, so the, the encryption key only stays in memory and has to be fetched from the cloud. So if, you know, somebody else gets access to the machine afterwards, that, uh, you know, they wouldn't be able to access the, uh, the data. You know, and these are all things that we have we have planned. Um, but also, kind of the you, they're not on on that the, the near term roadmap because we're really sort of going for we're going after you know individual analysts, people with a data problem, rather than trying to target you know these giant giant enterprises. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of you know
0: big opportunities for these enterprises as well. So, so who? What is the what is the user persona for, for 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 Mother Duck really? You know, is it is it analysts? Is it is it kind of data scientists? Is it uh, analysts' engineers? I mean, can developers make use of this kind of tech, your product as well?
1: Yeah, so I think that that's a sort of a broad. The answer is, is sort of broad because the because the the numbers of people that are using DuckDB are so broad. So it originally started with data scientists, but you know, it's being used all over the place by analysts. It's being used. Um, you know, for people doing sort of lightweight data exploration, it's being used by developers, um, because it's incredibly easy for a developer to get started with it because it's just a library. You link in the library. Um, and the one of the, I think the cool things about Mother Duck and how we've integrated with DuckDB is that if you're using DuckDB, you can switch to using Mother Duck just by changing the database name. So if you do like, if you know, in DuckDB, if you do like, you know, DuckDB connect, you know, foo.db is a local database, a local file named foo.db. If you change that to md colon foo, that'll automatically connect to to motherduck. You don't have to like, install anything, you don't have to change anything else. So if you're a developer and you're using, you know, you're you know prototyping something locally because DuckDB is super easy and you can run unit tests in a you know in a millisecond. Um, but then you want to switch to production and you wanna, you know. Run in the cloud. All you have to do is change your database name, and boom, you're running against Motherduck and running in the cloud. Um, and I think you know, people that are building applications that need access, that need to give their users access to data, uh, is a is an ideal use case for uh, for Motherduck because a you you know we can have this sort of Wasm thing where we're ru- you're running you know you can have these super low latency stuff running in the browser, um, but also it's just you know really really nice developer developer ergonomics, uh, and eventually, you know, uh, e- economics when we can, you know, when when we when we have a uh, – uh, we, we have billing enabled. Um, but also just really anybody who's using DuckDB that wants access to cloud. So analysts, um, we have a number of people that are sort of using it for sort of lightweight data warehouses, people that are currently doing their analytics using Postgres. So I think it's a pretty common thing where people – you know, an application developer – we build their application and they want to understand what's going on in their application so then they'll just point uh, their bi tool you know say superset uh at um at their application database or a replica of their application database like postgres but those are really not designed for for analytics and and so with mother duck you basically can say hey you know ducktb can i can can read data from Postgres directly so you can just point DuckDB at your postgres pull the data out um, and then, you know, use the, you know, if your database name is MD colon, you know, my orders, then then now you're now you're doing analytics in the cloud and we have integrations with, you know, a number of, of BI tools.
0: Okay. So what's the relationship between yourselves and uh, the DuckDB team then? Um, and uh, so, so uh, do, you, do you sponsor it? Do you, I mean, how, how do you interact with them? Do you compete with them? Do you complement them? Uh how does it kind of work really and what and what influence do you have over product features and the direction of uh of, of DuckDB? Great
1: great question. I mean we have a super strong relationship with them. I just talked to uh I just talked to Hannes and Mark this morning. Um, you know, when we started Mother Duck, we you know we made an arrangement with them. They got a co co-founder share of Mother Duck and uh, in exchange, like they kind of gave us the kind of an exclusive cloud database as a service. So they weren't, weren't going to work with anybody that was doing, that was doing something similar to what, to what we're doing. It is open source. It's MIT licensed. Anybody can do anything, but, um, you know, really we have a, a very strong tie to the, to the DuckDB team. They, uh, you know, one of the things that we tried to do is make sure that we don't have to fork. And so they built in a bunch of hooks. Us. So the, you know, pluggable data catalog, pluggable parser, pluggable storage engine, uh, you know, serializable query plans, um, you know, uh, you know, WASM extensions, like all of these things that they've added in in DuckTB in order to make to make MotherDuck work. And just so we can be, you know, we have a client side extension, we have a server side extension. Um and uh, and we don't have you know and so that you know, means that when there's a new version of DuckDB comes out, we basically can support it on day one rather than you know having to to do this sort of lengthy lengthy merge process. Um, we do have a, an influence on their on their on their roadmap, but they really are they an independent organization. They they you know they take the they take DuckDB in the direction that they believe is right for for DuckDB. Um, but we also do, you know, pay them for for services and for features, and so um, that uh, you know that you know if there's something that we want, you know, generally they're they're quite um, uh, you know solicitous
0: um, in uh, in making that happen. Okay, okay. So putting your putting your founders' hat on and your product manager's hats, um, what I suppose your worst nightmare is reading a press release saying that Google Cloud have released a managed managed version of DuckDB or AWS have done that. So you mentioned a minute ago about the exclusivity, but, but I suppose what's your moat? What's your, what's your, um, what's your defense against it just being made as a sort of like a commodity service on one of the cloud platforms?
1: Um, there's a number of things. So one of those is that, you know, DuckDB by itself is not a data warehouse. So if you just ran DuckDB, you know, behind a cloud, you know, interface, uh, first of all, there's no, there's no real kind of cloud interface to, to use. Uh, so you kind of would have to, you know, have to have to fig- figure figure that out. Um, but then you'd also have to build all of the you know user management, account management, uh, you know global global catalog and naming and storage management. I mean, DuckDB you know is a single file storage system. You know, you know, uh, so you basically have to figure out how to you know how to how to make that work on on cloud data stores. Uh, you know, object stores are you know generally immutable and don't work work really well directly with with databases unless they kind of Change how the data is being stored. So there's a bunch of work so that they would have to do. I mean, it is, you know, it's it's not rocket science. It is just it is work. They could they could figure that out. But it's not like you know Elastic or Kafka or something where it's just a question of like you know spinning that up and and you know chances are they can do that better and less and and you know less expensively because they're they're really good at that. Um, The second part is just the hybrid execution. You know the hybrid execution work. Um, there's a lot of work that's gone into that. I mean, we work with um, you know with Peter Bonks, who's um, invented Vectorwise, is one of the sort of pioneers of column column based uh, ex- you know query execution. Um, and you know he is he's on sabbatical for a year, working with working with us to help us build out hybrid execution. I mean, that's that's hard to make that seamless. And so if somebody wanted to have sort of a drop in replacement for what we're doing. You know there would be a lot more a lot more work involved, and then lastly is the distribution with DuckDB. So the the fact that I mentioned that you just change the database name and it starts it starts working, you know somebody somebody who is
0: directly competing with us wouldn't be able to get that level of uh, of integration. Okay, um, so uh, maybe devil's advocate question, but um, so when I, when I spoke to you last time on on the show, I talked about we talked about small workloads on BigQuery mm-hmm. and and say Snowflake and so on, so. Is it not the case that you could run a small workload on those systems? And why would people, why would people go to the time and, and expense or, or disruption cost of, of kind of using DuckDB when you could put small workloads into, say, BigQuery? I mean, what, what's what's the, again the unique? I know you said latency, but but why should people care really if they're using small 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 workloads?
1: So I think you know small workloads work pretty well on BigQuery, and you know in in BigQuery there were a number of customers that were, you know, paying a few dollars a month to uh, To just sort of like uh, to do, do some exploratory analytics, or they had they had small data, and they're like, hey, this is basically free, and it's su- super easy. Um, BigQuery is only available in GCP, and most you know most people these days are not on GCP. Um, you know, Snowflake and, and other data warehouses don't scale down nearly as well, and so you know, Snowflake, if you have a data warehouse and it you know you have to load data to it, you know, reasonably continually. Um, you know, it's going to cost you over a thousand dollars a month and ten thousand dollars a year. And for a lot of people, that's a, that's a heavy lift. Um, so I think that, you know, for those cases, that's not, it's not ideal. Um, and I think, you know, just the economics of it, you know, even beyond the sort of the minimal entry point, I think we're going to be able to, to make it less expensive, partly because we can move work down to the client, you know, query planning at the very least. Planning is done on the client, which is not you know, which which takes up uh, you know considerable you know computational complexity, uh, and then also just you know being able to run you know sort of highly multi-tenant systems and and you know the serverless you know scaling things up and scaling things down as as needed. Um, you know we think also is going to be um, is going to be to be beneficial, and then yeah. lastly sort of the simplicity of just sort of getting started and like ease of use. Like, um, you know, the other vendors are not really optimizing for those for those use cases. They could, but today, the, today they're not. I mean, it's it's not that hard to get started with Snowflake, but it's it's a lot harder than you know, pip install DuckDB. Um, you know, select you know select forty you know you know DuckDB space md colon foo. Like, that's all you need to do to to start using DuckDB. Uh, and, uh, and start using mother duck. Uh, and, and so, you know, we think that, you know, basically just a really low friction to, to get started on, on mother duck is, is just one reason to, uh,
0: to, to do it. Okay, so so you mentioned earlier on the the uh, the UI that's used for for, for working with with DuckDB, uh, the Mother Duck UI, and that uses DuckDB, doesn't it? In, is part of it? And I suppose that, that struck me as maybe sort of one of an example of maybe some new types of uh, sort of web based applications that 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 have this kind of hybrid setup, or certainly embed parts of the warehouse actually in. In kind of like the UI, is there anything that Mother Duck are doing in that space? And is there anything? I mean, obviously we're aware of DuckDB there, but what what is what is Mother Duck doing to enable maybe new ways of working and new ways of kind of running applications?
1: Yeah, so I think the hybrid execution is 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 something we're really investing in. So our you know, the Mother Duck UI, um, you know, the query results are returned, you know, in 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 the browser, and you know we're, we've embedded a uh, Uh, an open source tool that actually one of our engineers has created called TAD, which is a pivot table editor. And the pivot table editor sends SQL queries, you know, to do, to do the pivoting and, um, and, but the SQL queries that it's sending is not to the DuckDB in the cloud it's sending the DuckDB in the browser. And so, you know, we can get these like, you know, just really, really fast, you know, pivots on, on this, you know, query result data uh, and, you know, sorting columns and filtering and, and you know, you know, doing these you know on the fly aggregations, uh, you know, we can do that locally, and that's just you know, it's just sort of an example of the kinds of things that you can do with with uh, with hybrid execution. Um, and you know, we're providing uh, you know, very shortly we're we'll providing a Wasm a Wasm toolkit and an application, uh, data application toolkit, you know, to enable you know other people to really really easily build. Uh, you know, build things in the in the browser uh, that that can take advantage of of local
0: execution and the power of cloud at the same time. Okay. Okay. So again, putting your product manager or founder hat on, what's on the roadmap really for this? I mean, so, so, so far you've, you, you, you could say you've, you've, you provided DuckDB as a managed service, but where do you see this going? And, and what I suppose, you know, Jordan, you're, you're pretty sort of like significant in the industry, really. What, what was it that, what was it that inspired you with this and where do you want to take this really? Particularly now that you actually one of the founders and you can actually realize your, 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 your sort of vision on this.
1: Uh, the thing that the, I'll start with the, the, the last part, the thing that inspired me. Was um, you know just this this uh, this opportunity to focus on what I thought was the things that people actually the problems that people actually have, uh, the sort of the 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 bun part of the of the burger, uh, and to and to innovate and to build to build a SaaS service in a, that really differentiated on delivery, um, and I think if you can compare with like how the typical way open source is done um, you know open source is done as a company and as a saas service you know, very often there's a there's a team there's a great team that's building an open source product uh, and they focus on making that great because that's how they that's how they get their name out there that's how they expand that's how they grow that's how they get investment by like building a great open source product that lots of people use and then people say, "Well, how are you going to monetize?" And say, "Oh, we're going to monetize via SaaS." And so they have like a small team building a SaaS service, and they run it in a, in a Kubernetes cluster, and then they and then they ship that. But the problem is, like, cloud enables you to do so many different things, and it, and and so because the focus is not on the delivery and not on the service, that people don't really—they're not pushing the the. The innovation nearly as far as they as they could be, and I think this this relationship we have with the DuckDB team is ideal in my in my opinion because they focus on building an amazing database, um, and we focus on building an amazing SaaS service, and then we innovate on the delivery of that and with the hybrid execution and you know some of the things that that you kind of um, that that haven't been done before, and so that's that's sort of the most exciting exciting part for. For me, um, you know, getting back to your question about the roadmap, you know, we A, we want to push, you know, hybrid as 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 kind of as far as we can, make it, you know, make it seamless, make it so that you can, you know, pull data data down to your, you know, local environment seamlessly. You know, we're going to have sort of Git style kind of branching, so that I can branch the data into my into my local browser. Um, I can I can basically then promote that back up to sort of to to production um, you know, better collaboration, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, sort of data application toolkit, making it super easy for people who are building data applications to build these sort of hybrid, hybrid, uh, hybrid applications, um, you know, in, you know, basically a templatized way. So just make it incredibly easy to, to do so. Um, we have some really, really good front-end engineers that we've hired that are going to, that are going to help us, uh, help us enable that. Um, Uh, you know, there's, you know, a bunch of stuff just sort of making it a great, you know, making it sort of a great lightweight data warehouse, you know, being able to integrate with the full ecosystem. So I also think that, you know, DuckDB focused on the getting data in, getting data out and the parts that aren't just the database. And I think for us, we want to sort of carry that forward and make sure that we work, you know, we have really, really tight connectivity and connectors with, you know, with BI tools, with data ingestion and integration tools, with things like DBT, um, you know, and I think a lot of the a lot of the really new, interesting BI vendors, uh, you know, Hex, Real, Omni, are all using DuckDB. And I think because they're using DuckDB, there is this sort of opportunity for us to integrate with what they're doing and have just a, a super seamless environment where it's sort of it's you know it's just DuckDB all the way all the way through.
0: Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So last question. How do people find out more about, about Mother Duck, sorry, and how do they get some hands-on experience and and get to experience this, particularly this hybrid sort of uh, model?
1: Yeah. Uh, So you can go to MotherDuck.com. Um, you know, you can sign up for our, our waitlist there. Um, we can, you know, we're, we're letting people in and it's, it's pretty quick. We just sort of want to make sure that we don't get, don't get overwhelmed. Um, uh, there should be a bunch of information, information there. Um, and then you can do pip install duckdb, brew install duckdb. Uh, there's sort of lots of stuff out there on on duckdb if you just want to get started on on duckdb.
0: And will we ever see you in that duck outfit again? Um, quite possibly, uh, <laughs> quite, quite quite likely. Uh, you know, I feel for you. I feel for you in that. In the engineers, uh, obviously, you t- you, t- you took one for the team there, didn't you? But but, um, it- are we ever going to see that again? Uh,
1: yeah. And I mean, we uh, you know we 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 realized that we had to. Um, uh, A company with a name like mother duck uh we either had to sort of pretend like we we you know we weren't really a duck-based company or do the opposite and just sort of embrace the duck and so that's part of our like kind of core core company values is is embrace the duck so um yeah i would expect to see that and and things things like it uh in the future
0: fantastic well jordan it's been great having on the show really really interesting wish you the best of luck with the product and uh, thank you very much for telling us the story thanks so much mark